This is Coach Lou Holtz, and you're listening to Building Championship Mindsets, the podcast with Dr. Amber Latner. From the locker room to the boardroom, Dr. Amber is the best in the business at helping you and your team build the mindset that drives results. So lock in. If you can take just one thing away from today and implement it into your life, I know you'll not only be a better person, but also a better athlete, coach, leader, parent, or spouse because of it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Building Championship Mindsets, the podcast where our whole intention is about helping you understand and build mindsets that drive optimal performance. So from the locker room to the boardroom, we're helping our listeners really start to get a grasp on how your brain works and how you can start to train it and use it to position you to be more successful. I'm your host, Dr. Amber Latner, and I am so excited to be with you today. You know, my background um, with my PhD in sports psychology and former student athlete at the University of Notre Dame, where I played women's soccer until injury took my career, um, is really intending to help people understand, you know, whether it's in work or in athletics or in school or in your personal relationships, how we can get a better understanding again of, of how we psycho-emotionally, right? So, so mind and spirit and body and emotions can really intersect to optimize and drive performance excellence on a more consistent basis. So we're in the midst of season one entitled Building Your Mental Performance Foundation, which is fully intended to help everybody lay a solid foundation on understanding the mental game a bit more. So as we continue in future seasons, you'll have a great base that we can build on and continue to expand your understanding and depths of applications of mindsets, right? And mindsets are patterned ways of thinking that are going to drive your success and championship mindsets, right? So So from sport to business, what does that look like? What does that mean? And how can you continue to be at your best as an individual and as a leader? So coming up shortly, we have our next featured guest, Mr. Serge Pei. And Serge and I are great friends. We've been friends for about, geez, eight years now and have been business partners for about the last five. Now, Serge played professional hockey for 11 years, and now he's an agent specifically in the hockey space, um, but has contacts in in all of those different domains and also has a realtor company um, with his amazing wife, Doris. They're based out of Florida. And so we're going to be able to talk with Serge about his experiences on the mental game as both a former athlete, as an agent, as a business professional, and now as a recent father. So those are those are fun aspects as well to hear about from some of our listeners, you know, get a different get a different um, look at our guests than perhaps we're used to reading in the media or, or watching on TV. Um, but we are at building block number two. So so last episode, we talked about building block one, which was awareness, and was all about being more aware internally and externally of our ourselves and our situations so that we can show up and adapt and and call the audible as we referenced it in different aspects of our lives so that we can position ourselves and our team to be successful. Today we're moving on to building block number two which is motivation. How I want you to consider motivation is this. So let me tell you a quick little story. So my first car, I was a freshman in high school and I was 15. So I didn't actually have my license yet, but my brother was a senior. And so he made a deal with me. Hey, am 
why don't we go in on buying a car together and you can pay for 70% of it because you'll get it for the next three years and I'll pay for 30% of it because I'll really only get it my senior year of high school. And he was like, and I think if we go in together, we might be able to get a cooler whip, (laughs) right? So I was like, yes, absolutely. That's a phenomenal idea. So we put our funds together and we went out and bought this royal, shimmery, shiny, blue Mitsubishi Eclipse, right? The old body style. And then, and then uh, Fast and the Furious had just came out, right? So for those of you, go back with me a little bit. And Fast and Furious was the, the rage of the time. And so Kyle and I got this Mitsubishi Eclipse. We put some sweet rims on it. Now, Granted, we didn't have enough money to buy whole new tires, so there were 14-inch rims, which is really small, but they were chrome, right? So they looked super cool. And then we got the little chrome washer fluids, chrome washer um, washer blades, windshield wiper blades on, put some decals across the front and the back, got the windows all tinted, and then I think the pride and joy was the big muffler that we had put on him, so every time you'd turn it on, it boom, right? And so this was my first car, and I loved loved it. And I loved it when my brother had it. And then when it became mine, I thought for sure I was the coolest kid in high school, right? As if our cars define us as such. But one day, I went out to jump in my awesome Mitsubishi Eclipse. And by this point, I had little seat covers on and the racing steering wheel, right? Completely ridiculous. But I put the key in, I turned it over, and nothing. And I was like, Oh no, my car, my ride, my baby, what is going on? Right? And come to find out, guess what this thing, guess what was wrong? The engine, right? So regardless of how cool I thought the exterior and the interior and everything about this car was, if the engine didn't work, at that point, I would have much rather have had an old junker out in the car, right? If it would have turned on and got me to school, which would have got me to practice as a soccer player after school. And so this is how I want us to consider motivation, right? Motivation is like the engine in the car. And regardless of what physical, technical, or tactical skills and abilities you might have, if you don't have that drive, that motivation to go out there and turn that beast on and get it rolling down the highway, none of that other stuff really matters, right? And so if you're a business leader or a coach out there, you know, I'm sure you've had athletes that that they come with all of the foundation, right, necessities of physical, technical, tactical. Maybe they're, they're really good, but you can't motivate them to do anything, right? And at that point, that's when we start to see kids and, and athletes and employees that, you know, on paper, they might not be a five-star recruit or, you know, come out of the best institution, but when they get in your organization, Man, they are going to hustle and work and grind day in and day out to do what it takes to be successful. And, and that's really what I want to help us understand on a deeper level is motivation. And how does this thing called motivation really work so that maybe we can become better as coaches and leaders and even as individual performers ourselves on understanding how do we tweak the engine a little bit? so that we can make sure that our car gets from point A to point B, right? That, that all of the things that we, we really care about in the, in the talent skill and skills that we've acquired, that we can actually get the most out of them from a potential standpoint. And so three things that I want us to start considering as it relates to motivation is 
know your why, set your goals, clarify the vision. Okay, and so, so let's break this down a little bit. Know your why. Why do you do what you do? At the end of the day, this is the most powerful question that we can ever answer and ever have an answer to, okay? I'll give you an example. When I was at Notre Dame playing soccer, those mornings when it was dark and it was cold, I referenced this in the last episode, right? And you're laying in bed and you're incredibly sore from the day before and exhausted from all the homework you did. Getting out of bed for an early morning workout is not what you really, really love to do, right? So when you're laying there and you ask yourself, well, why do I do this? And you can answer that with a sense of conviction that says, I do this because this is my purpose, right? This is my opportunity to contribute to the university or to contribute to my team or to be a part of something bigger than myself. Then all of a sudden we have a lot more courage, a lot more confidence, a lot more grit within us to get out and, and go again, right? Now, fast forward a couple of years when I no longer had soccer because I was injured and I couldn't play. And so then in the mornings when I had to get up early to go work out by myself in the rock, right, because I had class at 9am. And if I didn't fit it in in the morning, it wasn't going to happen. Now, all of a sudden, it's about why do I do this, right? Well, I do this because excellence is a standard of mine. And winning right? Even if it's alone at 5am is important to me. And you know what, I'm going to drag my little butt out of bed and walk across the quad through the snow to get that workout in so that I can can be and live into who I am and know why I got up today, right? I got up to win the day today. And it's going to start right here right now. So knowing your why is a powerful source of motivation for us. Next, set your goals, right? What do you want to accomplish doing what you're doing? You know, what do you want to accomplish as an athlete, as a business person, as as a student, as a professional? And so setting some of those targets and putting those out there can help you, you know, not only understand why you're doing what you're doing, but now what specifically you're trying to accomplish along the journey. And finally, clarify your vision, right? How do you want to be remembered from doing what you do? One of my mentors at Notre Dame my senior year told me, you know, Amber, people remember two things about you, your first impression or last impression. So I want you to start, you started strong, right? Your freshman year. Now I want you to finish strong your senior year. And so if we can maybe consider as a freshman, how do we want to be remembered when we graduate? Now, all of a sudden, the decisions we start to make on a daily basis are going to align with that. Unfortunately, I work with too many people that say, okay, I want to be remembered as one of the best leaders this organization has ever had, right? That, that had a program that was built on values that had a high energy about it and was in, it had high standards that was incredibly demanding, and yet everybody loved it, and they wanted to come to work, and they wanted to work hard. And so they say these things, this is how they want to be remembered, but then the decisions they make and how they communicate with with their employees and how they treat those around them is leading them down a totally different path, right? To be remembered as sort of a tyrannical boss or a tyrannical coach that never really had time for his people or never listened to what was actually happening. And and that's not okay. You know, life is way too short for us to not go about in an intentional manner, manner of acting and living into who we are and how we want to be remembered in these different domains. So to start from a motivational standpoint, again, we go back to know your why, Set your goals and clarify your vision, right? Clear vision, clear results. Fuzzy vision, 
fuzzy results. And, and so if we can really flesh these three things out, now we're going to start generating a sense of motivation from the inside out. Now let's look at it from a little bit more scientific standpoint. So my advisor at Missouri, Dr. Rick McGuire, referenced him several times. Um, he's developed the, this sort of model of motivation that he that he likes to look at um, different types of motivation on continuums. And so we're going to look at intrinsic, internal approach and positive motivation. And again, each of these are set on continuums with their respective opposites. And so we'll start with intrinsic and it's on a spectrum with extrinsic. So intrinsic and extrinsic motivation. And this is all about the source of the reward. What is rewarding you for doing what you're doing? Is that coming from the inside? Because you you value excellence, you value a standard, you value hard work. And when you engage in that manner, that, that has a sense of internal satisfaction. Or is this all about the extrinsic rewards for you? Is this about money? Is this about fame? Is this about, you know, being in the right so, social circles? And, and what we know right, is that intrinsic sense of rewards are the longest lasting, most sustainable types of motivations, right? And you know, the athletes that, that work hard and they train when they have to, when they're being an athlete, and then all of a sudden their careers end and they blow up, right? Because they have no sense of intrinsic reward of, of working out unless it is connected to the reward of playing and winning games or, or sport or money, etc. And so how can we learn to foster intrinsic motivation in our own lives. And and that, you know, first is clarifying your values and what really matters to you and starting to really get a sense of personal satisfaction from engaging in your work in ways that align with your personal values. Now, I'll be honest with you, extrinsic rewards are very motivating. And so we need to use those accordingly, right? Use those as as extra motivation to, to get up in the morning, right? Or to, to go for that run because you know it, it is going to make you feel better. It is going to help you be the better leader, coach, athlete, parent, et cetera, to, to the people that you're leading or the goals that you're trying to accomplish. But again, use those in wise ways. Next is internal, and this is on the spectrum with external, so internal to external, and this is about the source of the driver. What is driving you to execute? Is that an internal drive, or do you require someone standing over you, monitoring your work, um, motivating and encouraging you constantly to get things done? Every leader and coach I know wants a sense of internal drive from their athletes. And the reality of it is, they're not, you're not always going to have someone standing over you trying to motivate you to be great. And so that's where we start to see the difference from, from good to great, right? From, from pretty great to consistently excellent. It's this sense of internal drive to engage in the daily habits and disciplines that lead to success. Next is approach motivation, and this is about the direction of the action. This is on the continuum opposite of avoidance. And so are you engaging in, in actions and activities to approach that, to really get better, to learn, to grow, to become your best self? Are you engaging in activities to avoid humiliation, to avoid failure, or to avoid getting yelled at or demeaned by your boss or your coach? Again, approach motivation is what creates individuals who thrive, who get who get brilliance out of their performance. And as leaders, right, if we can if we can create environments that remind our our athletes or our employees that hey, let's dive into this and problem solve and get better and come up with the best solutions, and then not beat them over the head for maybe not having the the right answer or the right 
right play right away, you know, this is a way that we can help foster that sense of approach motivation in in ourselves and in others. And then finally, positive motivation, which is on the opposite of of negative. And this this is with regard to ethical context, right? So are we engaging in work um, to to get the best out of ourselves and get the best out of those around us? Or are we engaging in work to, to potentially har- cause harm to someone else? And this this is, you know, your bounty scandals in football of, of putting money on, you know, if you can break someone's leg or give someone a concussion. That is a prime example of negative, uh, negative motivation. And it has no place in sport and it has no place in business. And it has no place when, when we're out around people um from a from a domineering standpoint if we look at you know um, sexual issues with with athletes or business professionals or um, any type of racism in terms of of harming and, and hurting people if your intent is to harm someone based on who they are as an individual or a difference in themselves in any capacity that is a, that is a negative negative ethical connotation and it really has no place in business in sport and life in general and so how can we learn to foster positive types of motivation you know i, I mentioned that to compete right comes from the greek word of competir and that just means to strive together, which means you bring your best, I bring my best, and together we have a phenomenal game. Last episode, we had Bruce Bowen on air, and he and I got to talk about that very thing, you know, and creating that positive sense of motivation where, listen, I'm bringing my best and I'm going to go hard at, at all levels, right? But it's not to hurt anybody. That's so that I can I can be my very best. And I want you to bring your very best so we can we can get the most out of this situation and scenario. So again, we just talked about intrinsic internal approach and positive motivations and how each of those really stimulate longer lasting, more sustainable types of motivation that are facilitative to long-term sustainable success. And we acknowledge, right, extrinsic rewards. Uh, external drivers and and sometimes even avoidance motivation to a small degree can be really powerful and motivating. But we have to ask ourselves, is this generating the type of sustainable motivation and environment that I want in my workplace, on my team, or in my own life? And then think about as leaders, how are we creating environments of more positive types of motivation? And, and then as ourselves using extrinsic external motivators um, more strategically, right? With a, with, a, with a cognizant understanding that, hey, these are really going to help me maybe get through some moments that are challenging, but I can't just rely on external, right? Because someday or in some situation, that's not going to be there and I still need to be motivated. Because if we only did things on days when we felt like it, right, nothing would get done. Not every day do I feel like getting up early and writing content or interviewing or, you know, going out and and working with new clients, but that's what it takes to get things done. And and so to be motivated on this consistent basis um, is what really drives sustainable results for us. At the end of the day, though, it is your job to motivate you. It's not your parents. It's not your bosses. It's it's not your spouses. It's yours. And so as we jump into our interview with Serge Pay, I really want you to start thinking about and considering your own types of motivation and what does this look like in your own world so that you can start being more cognizant 
aware, right, of what types, what are the things that really motivate me? And do I lean more towards the intrinsic internal approach positive or more towards the extrinsic external avoidance negative? And then perhaps considering well, how do I navigate, you know, more toward the the um, positive side of those spectrums and then strategically leverage the other sides to, to drive what I'm trying to accomplish in this world, while at the same time recognizing that it's my job to motivate me. It's my job to show up every day, determined to be great and to do great work. So without further ado, let's welcome our guest, Mr. Serge Faye. All right, ladies and gentlemen, now I want to welcome to the show uh, my friend and business partner, Mr. Serge Pay. Serge, how are you doing today? I'm great, Amber. How are you? Doing excellently, thank you. Thanks so much for for taking the time to be here with us. Just to give everybody a little bit of background on Serge. So Serge and I met, wow, maybe over 10 years ago um, when Serge was still playing professional hockey and just became really great friends at that point. And since has grown into an incredible business partner as Serge has transitioned out of an 11-year professional hockey career and has since launched his own hockey agency, Unlimited Sports Management. And so for the last several years, Serge and I have partnered together and I've been the, the mental performance consultant for Unlimited Sports Management, had the opportunity to work with several of Serge's amazing athletes and even even himself throughout the course of the last several years and Serge has an amazing wife Doris where they live in South Florida with Leander my little nephew um, and another another little one on the way so congratulations on that Serge Thank you so much. So kindly said. Oh, absolutely. So Serge was born a Canadian, so you're going to hear that little accent um, as we go through our interview today, but uh, born with a hockey stick in his hand and has really, um, you know, shaped his life around not only who he is as an individual, but what that looks like in relation to the sport of hockey. And as we dive into building block number two, motivation in this building our mental performance foundation, season one of the podcast, I'm really excited to hear about how motivation has influenced your life, um, your work as a professional, your career as an athlete, um, and and just really see how motivation affects performance. So to get us started, Serge, we, we talked earlier about the importance of why and knowing your why in everything that we do. So to kick us off, what was your why as a player? And now today in your professional career and family, what's your why? Great question, Amber. First and foremost, thank you for having me on the show. It's always a privilege and a great uh, a great moment to, to to share with you as a young man. Um, my why as a player uh, is truly different than what it is right now in management as a sport agent. Um, as a human being, I, I think in professional sports, I just had a huge love and passion for the game of hockey. And the game has helped mold me into the human being that I am today. As a young kid, you know, probably uh, being part of my upbringing, right? You mentioned earlier having a hockey stick in my hand from a young age. And that uh, certainly um, put me in a position to enjoy the sport and build relationships in a game that, you know, I truly enjoyed and was so passionate about. Um, as a player, as a young man, I, I realized that, you know, I had a skill and, um, because my passion was so strong for the sport, uh, I, I believe my why, 
was a way for me to have a little bit of independence in my own life. It was a vehicle for me to um, use to, to be successful, to prove to friends and family members that uh, I had a willingness to, to be successful in something that I was so passionate and driven through that nothing was going to get in my way. That's and, awesome. Mm-hmm. As an agent today, uh, you know, my why probably serves toward, um, you know, being honest and being respectful to young men that are very deserving of that mentorship. Um, through through all my career, I've gained a, a wealth of knowledge in the sport and put me in a position where I can give back now. And my why is to help these young men grow into young adults that are so uh, willing to put in the same type of effort that I'm willing to put in for them, whether it's uh, promoting them, whether it's pushing them, whether it's contract negotiations, whether it's mentorship. I just love working with young men that are so well-deserving and so willing to put in the same type of work that I'm willing to put in for them. That's really powerful um, in both senses, right? So as a player, that sort of intrinsic motivation of love of the game, right? And this desire to, to succeed and to be great at something, um, I think is a really strong driver from an internal and an intrinsic approach perspective of motivation. And now similarly in this desire to give back and to mold the, the lives of these young men. And, you know, I've seen, Serge, your interaction with with your guys, and it's powerful. You know, they respect you as a former player, but they love to see you now in a, in a business suit and as a husband and as a father. And so that role model that you serve to all of those kids is just powerful. And I just want to, again, say, you know, how impressed and, and what an honor it is to work with you and to see that um, in, in your life and through your work. Um, the, the one thing I wanted to sort of go back to your career, right? Because m- somewhere along the way, right, midway through your career, you came down with an illness and that had the potential to derail hockey and to derail how you lived and existed in this world. And I think that experience um, has then shaped how you've gone about the the latter part of your career. So, so tell us a little bit about what you went through and how that, from a motivational standpoint, has affected you as a player and now as an agent. Great question, Amber. And feelings are mutual. The relationship is strong. And I thank you for all the work that you've put into our players and help make our agency what it is today. Um, in 1999, while I was playing in uh, in Kitchener for the Kitchener Rangers of the Major Junior Hockey League in Ontario, uh, I was striking with Guillain-Barre syndrome. At the time, I'm 19 years old, okay. and all of a sudden, I'm flattened in my bed where I have a really hard time getting out of bed. Wow. Uh, it was a Sunday morning, and I just struggled to get through my day. We had a game that day, and it was one of those things where that game – felt like an Iron Man, right? It just felt like it had no end and it just felt like my body uh, was looking uh, internally and externally for any type of <laughs> energy to get through. Um, Guillain-Barre syndrome is the illness where the body's immune system attacks the peripheral part of the nervous system and I lost feeling in my legs. Wow. It was a very uh, slow hit for me. A lot of, cl- a lot of people um, are, are hit with this illness uh, differently. For some, it's in the fingers. For some, it's in the feet. For some, it hits them overnight. For some, it can take a month before they've lost complete feeling in their, in their, feet, in their, in their legs or fingers or whatnot. And uh, for me, it was on day seven of going back and forth 
with our team doctor, with our hospital doctor, the clinic doctor, and just doing a variety of uh, testing. And for some reason, nothing was found until I was transferred to London University Hospital, where they did an EKG and realized that you know my nerves weren't communicating wow. uh, to my brain. And uh, I was out of hockey for a year. I was hospitalized for two months in a rehab hospital for a month. And it truly kicked me off my feet and uh, was probably the biggest physical uh, test that I had to endure during my, my playing career. And so as you're going through that experience, right, because whether whether we're an athlete or a professional or a parent, you know, there's these things that sort of come out of the blue and seem to totally derail the path that we're on. How did you remain motivated through rehab and then to, to get back into the sport? What was your mindset like through that season of life? Yeah, yeah, great, great question. Um, you know, through Christ, my Lord and Savior, I just found a, a whole lot of um, belief in what was happening to me had its reasons and that I wasn't uh, fully in control of things that affected me, but I was certainly in control of my decision making. Mm, And through a little bit of fear on that front, I just made the conscious decision that I would fight through and control what I can control to the best that I can. And I made the conscious decision to fight hard. And Mm. whether it was to listen to myself when I needed to rest, that I would rest, or whether it was to rehab, or whether it was to work out. Um, Once I was medically... Uh, capable of doing those things, I, I just got into that mental zone of nothing and absolutely nothing was going to stand in my way from recovering and performing at a hockey level. That's, that's, that's awesome, right? And I, I think probably through that experience, you, you found a new layer of self, right, that you might not even knew existed prior to that. And now, right? So, Serge, you have a foundation. Tell us a little bit about the foundation that you've set up and established. And uh, again, what's your motivation behind that? I think after hearing that story, our listeners are going to understand pretty quickly what your motivation is, but in your own words. Yeah, yeah. Well, to, to elaborate on that motivation, I remember um, my first pro camp in, in 1997. Um I just wanted to be successful in camp and prove from an off-ice conditioning that I took care of my body so well that I, I remember being on a, uh, on a bike. We did the wind gate. We did the VO2 test on, on the stationary bikes, and I remember having a mask to my face. And for some of you that haven't done a wind gate or haven't done a VO2 test, we were doing a VO2 test, and I remember having the ability and the, the mindset that, you know, nothing was going to kick me off that bike. And at that time, I'm 18 years old, and I think my heart rate went up to 234 beats per minute, right? It was just wow. a, a, a decision pre-jumping on a bike like that when we did do excruciating exercise that, no, I'm not getting off this bike regardless of how much pain my body's going to endure. And I think that has a lot to do with, you know, self-talk, preparation. And if you can motivate yourself to to put yourself in that mental position, uh, nothing can really stand in your way. You know, before you go on, Serge, I just want to I just want to highlight something you said. You said you made the commitment before you got on the bike. 
I think that that I just want to highlight that to our listeners because sometimes I think people say, "Are you going to be committed?" Right, halfway through the race, or or halfway through life, or halfway through this endeavor, are you going to really commit to it? But but really, commitment starts before. And when you approach the starting line, are you going to commit to the finish line? And regardless what comes at you, keep your eyes fixed on that goal. And I think that that is the type of element and mindset and commitment that it takes to really endure life. I mean, sport is one thing, business is another thing. And and life is is sort of a, all of those things are microcosms of life, right? And so can we make that commitment and how that then drives our motivation, even when it's hard, even when we're tired? So true. Great point. Um, you know, too many times, whether it's in sports or business in our personal life, you know, we face so many different challenges that when the tough gets going, it's easy to convince yourself mm. with your inner voice that, you know what, you convince yourself that you, you so can't do it. And then you justify it to yes. yourself. Meanwhile, you know that the ultimate decision was to go through, was to persevere. And in sports, I can certainly say playing hockey, uh, being an anaerobic sport, you face so many um so many um, periods where, you know, it's physically demanding, it's physically difficult, whether it's an injury or whether it's the end of a shift or whether it's a training session, that your body is just going through hell. But mm-hmm. if you've already committed to going through that ahead of time, then that little voice inside of you when the tough gets going won't convince you to stop. And you can channel that to you can you can train to be uh, really strong and on that front nothing and when I mean nothing absolutely nothing can stop you. Absolutely. I love that. And I love you said train, right? Like, just like we put our bodies through physical conditioning, you don't walk into the gym one day and think, oh, I'm going to be fit, right? That's a day in day out commitment to it. And the same goes with training our mindset and our in our how we think. And, and so again, just reiterating that it's a process and it's a consistent application to the habits of excellence from a mental standpoint. So that training piece. Awesome. Take us back to your foundation. Tell us more about yeah. that. Um, yeah. If you would, yeah, um, the, creating the foundation was, you know, uh, I guess a, a public way of for us to um, raise general awareness uh, of Guillaume Barre. When I was striking at ninety-nine, I think the statistic proved that one person out of a hundred thousand people were afflicted yearly with Guillaume Barre. So it's a very rare illness. There's okay. not a whole lot of information out there, at least at the time. And, uh, you know, education is power. So we were able to uh, create a foundation where we have um, annual uh, charity events such as golf tournaments, casino nights, boat cruises, whether it's puck and drop night uh, for a club that I played for. Uh, And not only do we raise general awareness to help support different chapters throughout America, throughout Canada, uh, that can now apply those uh, support casts to kids or elderly people that are that are striking with this disease. Um, and, uh, you know, for, for, for me, of course, uh, a good vehicle to use to 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 give back. Um, yeah, I had a lot of medical attention given to me while I was afflicted. And now this is a, a good way for me to give back. That's awesome. Just for our listeners out there, can you give us the, do you have a website for the foundation just to check that out if they're interested? Most definitely. It's my name, Serge Payer, 
foundation.org, S-E-R-G-E-P-A-Y-E-R, foundation.org. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. So I want to, let's go into your pro career a little bit. I think that, you know, playing at the professional level, you're, you're among the elite of the elite. And yet, even when you're in those spaces, there's differences in players, right? There's differences in motivations. And so I'm curious if you could sort of tell me about the different types of motivation that you saw in different players at that elite level and how those affected performance. So specifically, those that you really recognized having an internal or an intrinsic sense of motivation of why they played the sport versus those that were very extrinsically or externally motivated and what you sort of witnessed as a peer with them in terms of their performance. Yeah, yeah. Um Certainly, um, I think I think the lower levels of the game. A lot of kids find that motivation through their love and passion for the game. Right? You, you tend to see a lot more kids having uh, fun uh, going to the arena versus right. at the professional level. Um, it becomes a little bit of what you do every day, and a little bit of. Uh, part of your livelihood. This is what I do to earn a living to provide for my family. And therefore, you probably see a lot more motivation through incentives for guys that aren't as passionate about the game um, versus guys that are uh, where they're motivated through that purpose and the fear of not being, you know, successful to provide for, for their own. Excellent. And then in terms of, you know, how that those types of motivation affects locker rooms. And and so for those listening that are more in the corporate space, how our motivations can affect our office space and, and the environments that we're in. Get, tell us a story or an example of a locker room that you were a part of that you thought had an incredible climate and an incredible atmosphere in that and and maybe some contributing factors. Yeah, Um I remember being on a losing streak um, in 2005. I was a member of the Florida Panthers at the time. And um, we just seemed to battle on the road for, you know, a collection of games, but couldn't come out with a couple points. And I remember uh, a gentleman by the name of Joe Neuendijk, who was a long-term uh, NHL player, uh, extremely uh, respected in the game, and he just stood up. And he wasn't one of those guys that would stand up quite often, but when he did, guys would listen. Right. And you know, his message was clear, is to the point that you know what, let's not focus on, you know, the two points. Let's focus on the process, and it's about mm. us and the commitment to details. Right now, we're losing games, whether it's by a goal or two only because of selfish mistakes, right? Uh, let's commit to one another and making sure that we all do what we need to do as individuals, committing to one another so that the end result can be positive and that we can all reap the benefits of that. Um, his message that day has always uh, stayed by me um, just because it was at a time in, in my career where you know what, I could have spent the next 10 years in the National Hockey League, like I could have been, you know, another player, whether it was traded or another player that was, you know, sent back to the minors kind of thing. And, you know, from that uh, day on, we went on to, 
um, put a collection of wins together, uh, battle through, you know, additional adversity. And I think we missed the playoffs by one or two points that year. But uh, it just showed uh, showed that, you know, when the leader spoke and guys bought in to that message, um, we can collectively uh, work together and make a difference. And the end result wasn't what we wanted, but it was is darn close uh, to to getting a berth into the playoffs. Yeah, what I really love about that too is sort of just that vision that he casted, I think probably in that locker room of really who you were as individuals and who you were as a, as a unit, as a team and why you played, right? And and why you were there to, to give all you had to be as great as you can. And so can we set those things aside and really focus on the day-to-day grind that it takes to, to achieve our goals? So one of the things um, that I, I have all of my clients do is really clarify what are your three main values and, and what kind of like do you want to live? And so I have them do this exercise and, and you've done this as well. You and I have gone through this. Mm-hmm. And and so I after after I they go through this again of what are your three core values and what legacy do you want to leave? I ask the question, why do you think I had you do this exercise? as it relates to motivation. So if you could sort of answer that question of why do you think identifying your core values and clarifying the legacy that you want to leave, is associated with motivation. Yeah. 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 As an athlete and as a human being, I found that um, in sports, especially a team sport, the the importance of uh, being honest with not only yourself, but with within your teammates, uh, having the ability to depend on each other by being truly honest. Um, the second would be the, the integrity that, you know, I have, um, and how important my integrity is so important, uh, as, as who I am, uh, the commitment to hard work. I think that has a lot to do with who I was as a, as a player and who I've molded my, my reputation, um, probably both as a former player and now a, a player agent. Um, when I put my, my heart and soul into something and I commit to, uh, working, I'll I'll put in the time, but I'll work extremely hard to get what I want, whether it's in negotiations or whether it's on the ice. Absolutely. Right. And so we can see how when we clarify our values, then we sort of know how to behave on a day to day basis. And that sort of motivates the behaviors that we know are going to help us live into and leave the type of legacy that that we desire, which, again, is linked to our why. So that was just sort of for clarification for our listeners to understand and see how all those things are connected as it relates to, um, again, the topic of motivation. I want to shift a little bit now to your role as an agent and working with and, and analyzing and assessing players. In terms of motivation, what are some things that you look at and for in players? Mm-hmm. Um, tr- truthfully, I try to understand their why. I really do. Uh, I can't put enough emphasis on, on this. And when players don't don't understand why they play the game, which most do, but at a young age, most would tell them to say, cause it's my dream to play in the national hockey league, or it's because yeah. I want to earn a living playing at it. Or I, I've always wanting that as a young man. Um, I try to understand how bad they want to be successful in that mm-hmm. and what type of sacrifices they're willing to make to achieve that. Uh, I also look at players that, uh, tend to, I guess, 
make excuses versus not make excuses. And for those that do make excuses from nothing, I, I, I try to understand where that comes from. Is it a result of their upbringing and the type of environment they've been surrounded for for so long? And are they honest with themselves? Um, uh, those are the little things we, we look at as it uh, helps us make decisions on how we're going to mentor and what type of angle we're going to use uh, to help shape those young men into, um, you know, honest, uh, honest players that can, can be one day proud about you know, changing uh, some of the ways that they, they, they face some of these challenges. Awesome. And I think that leads it leads into a great question. So again, you and I have been partnered together as business partners in terms of unlimited sports management and the Latner Performance Group as your uh, mental performance consulting group. And so we've got to work with one another in various levels. First and foremost, Serge runs an awesome mentorship program where he brings down a small group of his younger players to mentor them, to mentor them in terms of nutrition, strength and conditioning, uh, locker room um, responsibilities, right, and communication. And, and and mental performance. And so within that, we've had several workshops on the mindset that it takes to be successful. And then also, um, I think one of the really unique things that we do is that, that I work individually with a lot of Serge's players. And Serge, from your perspective, um, you know, these young men and I get to spend a lot of time together, a lot of hours together, building the skill, understanding how the brain works, and then giving them specific tools and strategies to to, to build their mindset and to build their mental game. What are some of the effects and impacts that you've seen on our work together in the athletes that you've had over the last four years that we've been together? Oh, well, uh, how, how much time do we have? <laughs> no, I, I can't emphasize enough on how important your leadership um, programs have helped mold some of our young men, right? They're the guys that uh, you've worked with in the past have been, you know, between the ages of, you know, 14 through the ages of 35. And yeah. Myself and my wife, Doris, for example, approaching our 40s. Um, and we can't, I can't stress enough about how important um, mental conditioning may be to, to any human being, but in sports alone, um, you know, I can name a few players, but the the one example I just love to use is in Matthew Greenfield, right? <laughs> Here, here's a young man that grew up in a very healthy home environment with loving parents and sibling, and um, you know, was just a, at a stage in his career where uh, when you when you first started to work with Matthew, I think as a goaltender, uh, first and foremost, goaltenders are, you know, on the ice for 60 minutes at a time. And often they can play a lot of mind games within themselves. Right. And goaltenders do have the reputation to be a little bit different, right? They're in yeah. their net. They're not on the bench. They're not interacting with teammates and they don't hear the coach's voice, uh, consistently on the bench. So they're in their own little world right? and, you know, mind games can sometimes take the best of players. And in this player, for example, Matthew, um, you know, he, he bought in and he bought into, uh, working with you. And quite frankly, I've seen, you know, some of his, uh, mother or father's response and comments about how positive, uh, how, how much of a positive influence you've been, not only for him and what they've seen him do on the ice and his approach to 
his preparation, but also in his approach to his everyday life, whether it's making his bed, whether it's, you know, um, the people he's uh, surrounding himself with. There's just been such strong um, life decisions that have really helped him understand his why and why is he interested in being successful not only in the game but in life in general just a a true true uh, unique story he is and and I want to stress I mean that point that you said is Matt bought in right and so we can teach kids and we can train people in in anything really but their willingness to engage in the process and to buy in and be committed to consistent applications of training whatever that is physical technical tactical or mental and so just tell sort of listeners where Matt was from a performance standpoint, right? Because all these things are wonderful. And at the end of the day, though, we're still talking about performance and results. So tell our listeners where Matthew was in his career when we started and then where where and what he's done in the last two and a half to three years that he and I have been together. Yeah. Uh, a great example of a Florida market player that grew up in South Florida, not a hockey market for those that aren't familiar with the sport. Uh, he went on to be drafted in the Ontario Hockey League with the Kitchener Rangers. And he had a good start to his, his major junior career where he was in and out of the lineup as, you know, the backup starting goalie. And, you know, certainly had the ability to perform amongst the best in the league. And so on some of those nights he would, right? He would have a shutout. He would only let in a goal. Right. And then all of a sudden, uh, a few weekends later, he just have, you know, maybe it was a mental lapse. Maybe he was tired because of those mental lapses and playing mind games with himself. Um, but you know what? His, his career took, took a turn a little bit and he ended up uh, playing in the USHL for half a season before mo- being moved to the BCHL and, you know, winning the RBC Cup last year. Right. Uh, and this year he's at the University of Calgary finishing up his degree and, you know, having the best save percentage in the league. Like he's just in that position where he's put himself uh, in, in the mental spot that, you know what, this is what I've got to do. This is my preparation. I'm going to do it every night. I've bought in. There's no questions asked. And, you know, for him to be able to to turn his career around and prove not only to himself but his loved ones and hockey management um, that were willing to, to give him a chance to compete at a very high level and now for him to be able to put himself in a position where he's won so he is a champion and you know he's one step away from you know potentially uh, signing a free agent contract in a couple years following his degree um, truly truly proud of this young man yeah, he, he's done a heck of a job and, and he continues to just grow and get better. Um, and going from, again, considering if that was his last year of hockey to winning a national championship and now being in college on the verge of that. And I, I think that's just a testament to um, your mentorship as an agent, to the support that he has as a family, to his hard work and dedication, and then to how he's taken the work that we've done and integrated that into every aspect of how he functions. 
So you mentioned that you and Doris also went through um, specifically the the program that we worked through together, but then also just over the course of us working together and understanding sort of the the mental performance aspect of how that fits into training and developing individuals and players. What impact have you noticed in your own life in terms of this sense of focus on to mindset development? That's a unique um way of putting it amber i appreciate that i've seen a tremendous impact uh for me on on different levels one uh, my professional life uh just my approach and having the ability to speak in similar languages to some players that you teach and you mentor on our front uh it permits me to be in a being a little bit more on the same page as, as they are as you interact with them right um and in my personal life uh, Doris and I followed your program and, you know, for us, you know, just uh, as a married couple, we've been able to, uh, create, uh, dialogue and daily work on the little things that, um, we need to do as individuals, as a couple to be better parents, uh, to be better, um, husband and wife. And I can't emphasize enough on the importance of being consistent on, are um, better self-taught and what makes Doris great and make sure that I compliment on her for for some of those things and vice versa and reinforce uh, those things. And as far as our mistakes, you know what? We tend to be pretty good at communicating those uh, sometimes lightly and sometimes not, uh, which puts us in a position where, you know, we've got the educational background through your program that we have different tools to, to go back with and uh, make some of those changes. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that, Serge. So amazing conversation um, just around, again, building block number two, motivation, how that relates to performance and, and drives who we are and how we do our work and, and the commitment to which we can bring to every single day. To wrap us up, answer the final question, what is your mindset on motivation? Again, the name of the podcast is Building Championship Mindsets, and we want to help our listeners really understand well, what is the championship mindset on array of things but in this case motivation yeah self-belief for me um you know for for a player to endure uh, a long career um they need to believe in themselves and you may tell them one thing and a coach may tell them another and i may tell them one thing but if the player is not uh, in a position where they believe in themselves, then, you know, it probably will not work. Uh, I've seen, uh, players, uh, commit to, uh, being open to having new mindsets, which has created, you know, a complete new brand of results. And look at the Matt Greenfield example. Um, for me, that's, that's, that's the priority. I love it. Thank you so much. So there's that belief in self that can fuel our motivation to commit, commit to the grind and commit to doing what it takes to be successful um, in sport, in life, in business. Serge, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you. Um, Give Doris my best and look forward to talking to you soon. Great, Amber. Love hearing your voice. Love having you uh, in South Florida sometime soon. And thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 
Building Block 2 Motivation, some great words and wisdom there from from Serge. Thanks so much for taking the time to be with us. That was really awesome. Again, your job to motivate you. It is your job to motivate you. And wherever you are in life and whatever you're doing at the end of the day, we have to make that choice to get up, get moving, and get after what it is we're trying to accomplish, who we're trying to become, what we're trying to accomplish. And so your mindset training for this week is something that I started when I was a senior in in high college, goodness, senior in college at Notre Dame. Um, I actually mentored 70 freshman student athletes my senior year at ND. And ever since then, um, I've used this activity with with teams, with businesses, with individuals. And it's been really powerful. So at the University of Notre Dame, um, there are plaques positioned all over campus, just in memory of different people's lives and contributions to this world. And so I was running around the lakes one day and I stopped to stretch my calf um, on a tree. And, you know, it, at the bottom, there was a plaque and I'm stretching my calf and I start to run away. And I was like, Amber, go back and read that. You know, that's someone's life. So I brushed the leaves off of it and I read it and it is forever etched in my heart. It said, this is in memory of John Yurko Jr. He taught the world what living was about through love of family, devotion to church and community and true passion for the church. His spirit was impenetrable and forever fighting Irish. And I just thought, wow, what a statement. You know, if that could ever be said of me one day, her spirit was impenetrable and forever fighting Irish. I mean, that that really got me to think about what does that mean and what does that look like in my own life? And so, I, you know, I thought about that thing, that for me personally. But one of the activities that, that I would have our freshmen do that I mentored was to really consider... If they were to put a legacy plaque up of you when you graduate from Notre Dame, what would you want it to say, right? Because right now you're at year one of a four, potentially five year opportunity to do something really special, both for yourself and for those around you. And so it really set them, I think, on a trajectory of understanding that, again, the day-to-day decisions that we make are building our legacy. And so the mindset training, championship mindset training for this week for you is to really think about what is my legacy? And I don't want you to just think about it. I want you to take some time and write this down. So in your business or on your team or in your school, if they were to put a plaque up of you when you take a new position or graduate or retire, what would you want that to say? What would what would you want them to say of you? And write it in the third person. And then put it in front of you, you know, write it, write it on a little note card or put it in a frame and set it on your desk or tape it above your bed so that you can start to look at it and really ask, you know, when you lay down at night, you know, was my spirit impenetrable today? And did I, did I work hard? Did I fight for, for what I believe in, you know, or whatever your legacy is, did, did you create a positive environment that made people feel welcome and, and excited about being in whatever opportunity or space they found, you know, can you start to create an environment of excellence, right? So our awareness training was to start to identify things of excellence around you. Do you create that environment? You know, maybe that's in the type of legacy you want to leave. And so as you go to bed at night, you know, consider that as you go through your days, what is the legacy that you want to leave? And is how you're living your life right now, living into that legacy. It's been an amazing episode. Again, we're at Building Block 2 mo- Motivation. And if, if you found value, if, if you could take some time to go over to iTunes and just check us out and rate rate and review us there, that would really mean a lot to us. Again, as we continue to just share this message with those um, from the locker room to the boardroom, you know, to the home lives and, and really helping people 
get a better grasp on the mental game so that they can drive more consistency in who they are as individuals and the success and the, the excellence that they're bringing to their day-to-day day-to-day lives. Um, you can also check out the podcast on our website or find contact information to get direct, in direct contact with me at www.latinerperformancegroup.com. And then you can follow us on Twitter at, at Champ Mindsets and just share your thoughts. We'd love to inter- interact with you there on social media. Again, this has been your host, Dr. Amber Latner. And from the locker room to the boardroom, I challenge you to continue building your championship mindset.